Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Mistletoe Secret. I am the peppermint punch at the Christmas party, Trey Plutnicki. Punch? Like, uh, like punch. Peppermint like, punch. Peppermint punch, like the drink? Like you spoon it out with a ladle? I, that's just hot chocolate. I I am the I am the Santa hat that someone has added elf ears to. Daniel Kunkel. That is that is a concoction. I'll tell you what. That is, is that a, a real person? Thing? No peppermint. That sounds like someone punch. who just like you know what? I have the best idea. I have son a of a bitch. Hat. No, it's totally a thing. Ooh, ooh. It's got some <laughs> gingy ale, eggnog, and bluebell ice cream. Peppermint. Mm, all right okay yeah no i was talking about your weird hat have you never seen those no those are 100 a thing yeah yeah yeah. here send it over and i'll describe what i'm seeing santa hat maybe they're they're more just elf hats but they have the same general the same general santa hat aesthetic it's a santa hat with elf ears okay oh i you know i i thought about it yeah okay it's what i'm looking at is a is an elf hat which is a yes just a santa hat that is looks like an elf hat (laughs) okay i am i am the hat that someone has hauntingly stitched ears to daniel (laughs) kunkel that's a little weird and the ears are very they're felt they're not they're not they're weirdly biological looking but also it's it's an uncanny valley sort of it's a very bad idea it's a bad bad idea See, when you said I'm a Santa hat with with elf ears, I thought someone was like, I'm going to make a Christmas kit like like Santa was an elf or like or something or <laughs> yes. like someone was masquerading an elf was masquerading as Santa Claus in his uniform. Trey, once again, we're stalling. We're ignoring the most important issue of the day, which is, of course, that Bruce Willis has his own category in the Razzies. <laughs> uh, Daniel, Bruce Willis. OK, here's here's what I read. Are you ready? Yes. Bruce Willis was in eight movies in 2021. Yes. He, he, um, varying, varying levels of roles that he was in, in each one, whether between starring, between cameos. I imagine most of them, he like just walked on and was like, hey, I was in Die Hard. And then he walks off. Like, yes, correct. It's, it's mostly, it's mostly like one scene. He's a name that they can put on the box Uh because these are all direct to DVD. Yes. <laughs> or straight to streaming. Um, it's super funny. It is more endearing than you think. That he's been in eight movies? That he was in eight movies okay. in 2021. Yes. Um, Daniel, D- Bruce Willis was in Misery on Broadway. Yes. And uh, famously, he had to wear an earpiece yes. to, uh, <laughs> to conquer the Broadway stage. For someone to read his lines to <laughs> Yes, because he couldn't remember all of the lines. As it turns out, his memory is not just because he's old, but because he has early signs of dementia. Oh. So. That's not funny. The reason why he is starring in all of these movies, and the reason why he was in all these movies in 2021, was because uh, of he, he is seeing his, um, he doesn't, he doesn't want to waste his worth. Mm-hmm. And he wants to work as much as possible, use his name as much as possible, so he can capitalize off of that before he cannot give out his talents I because he has dementia. I take it all back. That's, that's heartbreaking and beautiful. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And, it's, and you know what? It is 
funny that he has his own category at the Razzie. It's hilarious. And he seems like the sort of guy who would just be like, either he'd be like, that's pretty funny that I've got my own category, or he just doesn't care. No. And here's the thing. Whether it's one or the other, he knows why he's doing that. And that is, that's admirable. I was, you know what? His, it's hilarious. Ta- it's great. The talk about him um, needing an earpiece for for Misery on Broadway, yeah. where he played the lead, um, that inspired an, a discussion about uh, celebrities getting these roles, not because of their stage actors, but because of their names. Yes. And like how producers take these big gambles, not knowing what it's, it's like, it's not knowing if, what audience wa- audiences want. If you don't know, um, I, I, the musicals of Broadway are obviously very popular and famous. If you don't know the plays of Broadway, you would uh, not be in the minority. Um, but this is, it's not even like a common tactic. It's pretty much the only tactic that uh, plays on Broadway have now they will have like they've got um american buffalo is coming uh to broadway pretty soon with darren chris and Lawrence fishburne and sam uh oh sam rockwell oh i don't know i think i, I heard uh, so. i heard sam rockwell was coming to broadway soon um and um, then like macbeth is coming with daniel craig like they're yes. like this is the uh this is the tactic yeah to, and people are like i don't want to uh, Bob Saget, the late Bob Saget, yes. was in Hand to God when yes, I saw it, and I told that story. Yeah. yeah, so this is not an uncommon thing. So, and that started a discussion where it's like, man, these producers will little, literally do anything to get a star in that seat. But then, and then people cited that example as like, come on, y'all. But it, it actually was an early sign of of this issue. So, yeah, it feels like more of an accessibility thing where it's like, okay, so should an actor just because you know, just because they're they're developing these these uh, these problems, does that mean that they should just be like completely ostracized from the artistic community? Right, and like, that's yeah. You know, I think that that feels like more of a conversation to be having than anything else. the The one thing I think we we can agree to laugh at is how many nominations uh, both Dear Evan Hansen and Diana the Musical got. <laughs> I like I like how um, yeah. I like how Ben Platt was heavy going for an Oscar and he got the opposite of that. And then Diana, which, you know, so Diana, the musical (laughs) is from, is a cult classic. Uh, It closed on Broadway early. Maybe the Uh, fastest like Broadway musical cult classic ever to develop. So fast. Overnight cult classic. Before it closed, it was a cult classic because you had reviewers who were like, this is an abomination and you had others who were like it's terrible and i had the best time of my life watching this <laughs> stupid ass show so it opened on broadway before the pandemic yeah um before the pandemic it also got a pro shot in which let it release on netflix yeah and that's when the cult status came in yes. but the cult status didn't really kick in until it reopened on broadway in september of 2021 yes. and then closed early it it did like 50 shows i think when it reopened it did yeah. like a staggeringly small amount of shows um it, my favorite my favorite part of it though and it's it's my it's always i think the most enjoyable part of when like the Razzies or these sort of things, or like when the onion does a really unfavorable review of a movie. I love it when like cast or 
crew or creative staff like can come out. I think it was one of the actors who was nominated in the movie for a Razzie Kate like tweeted out and was like, so honored to be nominated much love to the cast and crew. And he just like totally took it in stride. And it's like, thank you. Thank you for having fun with this. And like, yeah, just letting us laugh a little bit at your, your scarily bad musical. Okay. Here's the thing. Ben Platt. Yes. Uh, was not happy with the criticism of his <laughs> film, Dear Evan Hansen. And honestly, his, d- his dad will hear about this. I had, I had the opportunity to maybe go see Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway mm-hmm. when uh, around this time. Mm-hmm. And the movie, not watching it, but the buzz surrounding the movie and the buzz surrounding how it was made and why it was made made me not want to go see the musical. The, the, reason, the, the reason it was made that Trey is uh, hinting at there is nepotism. Nepotism. Mark Platt is the producer of the Dear Evan Hansen movie, who is yep. the father of Ben Platt. Now, yep. if, I, if I was a wealthy dad... <laughs> I I and God help my, us all. <laughs> my son or daughter would yeah, God help us all. Um, and my son or daughter wanted to make a movie. Uh and I had enough money to throw around to make a movie that uh they were in a play at one point and I, they wanted to make a movie of that play and I was like, "Okay, for <laughs> sure, for sure, for sure, you could make this movie." I would make the movie and I would tell them I would cast them in the movie, you know? Uh- I love that there was an expectation because because the the musical made crazy crazy amounts of money. It won a t- won several Tonys. It was like um, kind of contentious within the theater community for like just kind of retreading things that other shows had already been doing uh, since like two thousand one. Um, but major major awards, accolades, millions of dollars, and I'm sure they went in and they were like, "Great, we're gonna make a movie." You know, we're going to have the star of the musical come back and play his part. Uh, none of the original cast, because they're filthy commoners. And that's just the one. Just, just the one. The one. Uh, and then, you know, Amy Adams is going to be in. It's a great, great little cast that they got together. And then for It's a Bomb, so astronomically bad. It bombed. I mean, okay. And this is another problem. Yeah. Because it bombed before it even came out. It bombed as soon as that trailer came out and you saw <laughs> Ben Blatt aged up about 15 years. The movie this week. We've had quite a party in the episode so far. Yeah, it's called... It, there was quite a party happening earlier in the episode. So it is only just to experience the best Christmas party ever is the name of the ti- is the title of the film. Um let, allow me to read a review. Let of me course. find a good one. As far as Christmas movies go, I'm going to read a 10 star and then a one star. Ooh, 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 yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. As far as Christmas movies go, this is as good as they get. By the way, every review page of these movies has a, a at least one 10 star and w- at least one one star review. It is every crazy how polarizing. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as Christmas movies go, this is as good as they get. Here's what I really liked about Best Christmas Party Ever. Everybody looked great. (laughs) And I mean everybody. There were no bad guy caricatures. The plot was coherent. 
reasonably believable, and the ending made it all a satisfying fairy tale. The only Christmas movie I can recall liking better than this is Crazy for Christmas, starring the magnificent Andrea Roth. But I could I could easily come to regard this as one... Uh, wait, I could easily come to regard this one as an equal, and Tori DeVito as magnificent as well. If you think It's a Wonderful Life rates a 10, best Christmas party ever is at least a 20. Okay, so, one star review. Who's paying for the party? (laughs) Plot defies common sense after the sponsor fires the party organizer. Where's the money coming from? All one sentence. Note, owner was not a firing and much later informed a potential lawsuit. That's the reveal. Okay. So, <laughs> um, th- Daniel, this movie can be summed up very quickly. There is a man named Nick. There is a woman named Jenny. Mm-hmm. Nick's aunt Petra runs a party planning company that Jenny works at. Mm-hmm. They, f- they put together a Christmas party. But it's a but it's a Christmas party that the people who are paying them to put on the party don't like the idea of. No. So they fire them. It's not business enough. No, it's not sexy enough. Those are his literal words. It's not sexy enough. So they fire her and Uh she throws the party anyway. And the guy, Nick, is supposed to run the company, but he leaves. To go do a soap opera. Because he's an actor. Because he's also an actor. Yeah. And and that is, honest to God, 98% of the movie. They throw yeah, you've, a you've, couple you've of You forgot parties. the part where they eat hot dogs. Trey, this movie worked. Because, by God, I went grocery shopping this afternoon and I bought a pack of ballpark <laughs> hot dogs. You got, man, a little, you got some wieners? Oh, I had to get me a weenie dog after this movie. You went they, out and shopped the weens? There are, no joke, 10 hot dogs in this movie. <laughs> they go on a hot dog date three times, and Jenny buys her friend a hot dog. Correct. This Hot dogs are Jenny's love language. This dude, Nick, has a beef obsession. And um, uh, this movie's fine. Um, I liked it. I liked I, it enough. Yeah, I, I did like it. Um, so, par- so, okay. So I actually had a really long conversation with my girlfriend um, about... Name dropper. This. <laughs> Name dropper, yeah. <laughs> Cecilia. Yeah, you know <laughs> Cecilia, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> about this. Uh, like, just now. Yeah. And... I was talking about how um, how this movie was very clearly written by a dude because <laughs> the first time that they went to go get hot dogs, yeah, uh, the dude almost instantly, this is before they're even like flirting really, the dude like goes, so like, is there, a, do you think there's a reason why you're single? Yes. And I was like, if I were Jenny, 
I would slap this man. Like, that is such a rude question to ask someone. Um, but she responds with, you know, I don't know. I think it's because of my dad. <laughs> and and that and that it brings me brings me to uh what we've been saying this entire time. Hallmark does some does as a structure is a company led by a, a production company led by a woman, which is incredible. Few and far between in this industry. Yes. It is a production company that casts leads and writes scripts that pretty much only feature women as their main characters. Yeah. Incredible. White women as their main characters. Yes. Uh, keep, <laughs> we need keep to... in mind in, yeah. in that lens. <laughs> it th- Through that, and, and in that, that's that's remarkable and like like girl boss, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, but like the people who are like directing and writing are are dudes that have no idea how women think. So like I in as a young industry professional, it's probably so helpful for these women to get off the ground. And most of the movies that they produce a year, it is it is fresh faces. Like they rarely put repeating faces. They maybe put like one repeating face per movie. Yeah. So, like, and, but the, but it's like that's like. There's maybe a cu- there's every a, there's a couple of like there's like Lacey Chabert. There's like a couple of these women who who I think have grown into becoming much more of like Hallmark royalty. Yeah. But certainly for these first few years, like Lacey Chabert has been our most repeated actress, and she's only been in like three. Right. Out of and out of like sixty-five movies right now. Like and also uh Candace Cameron Burr. Candace Cameron Burr, yes, yes. Um so like so like good on them. But but the content of what they say comes up in every like for instance, there's a first so if we're taking if I'm t- taking you through the plot in my mind palace, yeah. It's a story about um about uh nepotism benefiting uh a male newcomer rather than the female, uh, the female mainstay. So a male newcomer who has never worked in this business before. Right. Who is an actor. Um, never worked in this business before, uh, just because he is the nephew of the person who owns it. Uh, we, we've seen this plot line in like, uh, hats off to Christmas. Uh, we see it in, um, Love at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, I don't. Th- is that a nepotism line? But it is. It is a male newcomer versus yeah. female uh, mainstay. If it's not nepotism, then it's it's white privilege. It, it's it's or just male privilege. Yeah, white. You know, male privilege. it, it like, just like this dude comes in. Yeah. Um, dude arrives is the is the genre of this film. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> dude enters. Um. He comes in. Uh. Uh. They say you're going to share it. Um, she doesn't like that. She goes out and does a meeting with a, a, a male client mm-hmm. who's like a part of a law firm from what I understand. He is part. Of, yeah. So she, um, she kind of starts dating this guy who he is, um, he works at this law company or this, um, no, no, excuse me. It's the, the company that kind of runs the toy company who they're throwing the party for. So he's kind of her main contact person right. from the business side of things for Tyrell's the toys. Tyrell's toys. How can I yes. forget? Um, during their business meeting, he, he asks her on a date in front of uh, 
Nick. Yes. He goes, I won't take no for an answer. In which another moment where I'm like, oh, she should slap this man across the face. Yes. <laughs> and to which she replies, how can you be so sure? <laughs> and he, and then he continues like, so it's a date. Like, uh, no, he doesn't ask. He says, it's a date, like seven o'clock, like dinner. Uh, you will never forget it. Um, and it's, it's stuff like that it's where it's like. It's always the flirting scenes where you can tell who wrote the movie. <laughs> if the yes. flirting is like written authentically and maybe there's some jokes but there's like a give and a take with the banter or if the flirting has like some emotional revelation it was it was probably written by a woman but if yes. the ban- if the banter is all about a male character coming in and really just asserting their dominance it was probably a dude who wrote and the, it. and the woman likes it the woman and likes she, that kind of strong hand because because women don't know what they want um and then that was uh, a joke please don't take that out of context that was absolutely <laughs> a joke clipped put it on twitter that's gonna be our preview um, for this episode <laughs> <laughs> nick so okay so nick after after this egregious display of flirtation yeah nick takes uh jenny away uh, back to the offices or whatever, and Nick goes, uh, so, like, what was that back there? Like, you're just gonna take a date while we're at work? Fair thing to say. And she goes, what does it matter to you what I do in my personal time? Also, not her personal time. Not her personal time, but also, also correct. And also, we need to reiterate, they have known each other for 42 hours at this point. Yeah, they haven't known each other long. They haven't spent much time together. It's it's like it's he doesn't it's know weird Jenny's that, last name because I never learned Jenny's last name. <laughs> <laughs> She's credited yeah. as Jenny. Jenny, her name, her full name is Jenny Stanton. I would have you know. Um, Fair enough, because that's, that's what it says in the plot <laughs> summary. <laughs> uh, Nick goes. Uh, Nick says, I don't trust that guy because I used to be that guy. Red flag. And he wears too much cologne. And he wears too much cologne. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's those things where it's like the movie is seen in a male lens. The romantic, the romantic side of it uh, comes from, uh, he, uh, progresses to the point where she's dating the creep. Nick is dating uh, some <laughs> Daniel, this, this was the... Daniel, this is the most insane thing I have ever heard in a Hallmark movie <laughs> where these two people kindled their their romantic relationship playing opposite each other in a streetcar named Desire <laughs> as Stella and Stanley. Brief aside, if you've never seen a streetcar named <laughs> Desire or the movie, Stanley is incredibly physically and mentally abusive to Stella. It is like one of the most famously abusive relationships, I would say, probably ever. Yeah, ever written, and it's ever and it's written. not one, and it's not one that it's like it's aged abusive where it's unclear. Like the writer wrote it to intention. <laughs> Stanley is an abusive figure, like not up for debate. That is the yeah. point of the character. Correct. And he, they make a ton of Stanley jokes. So you've, if you've never seen it again, you've probably heard the famous Stella, that famous <laughs> quote. That's not a romantic quote. 
that's him having been locked out of his home because he's drunk and is probably going to hit his wife. Right. And Stella's like, friend is Stella's sister is like, no, you're not going to come in here. Go sober up. And he yells, Stella, Stella. Um, and, he, and this guy makes jokes about it. Oi, that was quite the scene. Oi. In the kitchen, <laughs> as an aside. And okay, anyway, so. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> it, yeah, it, oh my God, it was, that was, it was so crazy. Um, so, and, so that scene happens. That is revealed in the kitchen next to Jenny. Mm-hmm. And Jenny is obviously starting to have feelings for this nephew character, Nick. And, um, and <laughs> Nick and this, this actress friend is like, are like, we're going to get drinks after. We were going to invite you, but I thought you had something going on. And then Jenny was like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I totally have something going on with, uh, with Tyrell or whatever his name is. Tyrell's, Tyrell. <laughs> what, uh, that's the name of his company. Tyrell's Toys. I think Dylan yeah, I date is the with guy. Mr. Tyrell's yeah. Toys. Dylan is his name? With Papa Toy. I don't know. With Papa Toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is now Papa Toy, unfortunately. So it's, it's that will they, won't they. And it falls into the... It's you texted me something. Um, Yes, I messaged you that I'm tired of the plot line where two people who aren't dating get jealous when either the other person or both of them go on dates with the person they're dating. It's not an interesting conflict. And I think it I think it makes um, I think it weakens Jenny. Well, it just it just weakens like agency because like. And and also weakens the story because we know the relationship that she's currently in is not going to work. And just because we know the end of the movie, obviously. And from like a from like an empowerment perspective, I think it's a lot more interesting if she has the very valid concern that this guy isn't going to know what he's doing when he takes over the company, whereas she is very well poised to take over the company. She's been right. here for several years. She's kind of the right hand man. She 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 is called the right hand man by the owner of the company. She is the logical point person to take over the position and yet is, is pushed aside for uh, a familial relationship. Yeah. That's a totally valid reason to be frustrated with this guy. But it is, it is of course pushed aside to frustrations over his private life and, and who he is dating. I think the difference there is she doesn't even bring it up. Like she doesn't, I, I don't think she really mentions her concern. She just sort of begrudgingly works with him. And then he, in like the third act, is given, is like, is given not only more, he's given opportunity and mm-hmm. power, yeah. and he's not doing a bad job. No, that, in the eyes this, of the, at least yeah, he is in, in good at eyes. the job. Like he is kind of a natural at it. He's very comfortable talking with clients and uh, kind of rolling with them. Um, and it, and, and it never is shown as a problem by the movie. It's always like, uh, she always makes good points about like, Hey, don't promise a client something until we check budget and we check availability, but he's just promising these people all this stuff. That's a super valid concern that is just never really shown as an issue in the movie. Whereas in the real world, that's a 100% going to be an issue when you're planning a Christmas party like three days, three weeks before Christmas in New York City. <laughs> like venue. Venue's famously. Venue. <laughs> venue's famously 
sell out. It's these. I mean, um, these ones are honestly harder to watch than you know your Christmas Hearts, for example, because because it's because it, of it, these issues. It's gymnastics, but honestly, it makes it way more fun to watch. <laughs> it's I I don't know. So yes and no. Yes and no. Um. Let me uh, allow me to finish up the summary sure, and I'll yeah, yeah. go over a couple more weird things. Um, so, like we just said, um, they have so the two of them sort of have this weird falling out as they are kind of will they won't thing. Uh, Nick gets a <laughs> soap opera <laughs> gig in L.A. and where they are not L.A. It's New York. Is it New York? Yes, they're in New York. That's uh, the biggest red City. flag for him as a boss is that he is about to take over this company, very big company, and yet and yet didn't like withdraw his name from consideration for something for this for a soap opera a gig soap famously opera. long-standing and needing to be there every single day. Every single day you're shooting an episode. Like <laughs> it I that would have been my red flag more than anything else um, I'm like but his aunt <laughs> is just like, "Yeah, sure, you got to go live your dream, I guess." Oh, yeah, live that dream, honey. Um, the aunt's a terrible boss. The woman who runs the company, she's a terrible boss, right? I have I have a theory about her. Okay, well, okay, I'll save it for that then. I'm excited. Which we'll get to. Um, all right, I can barely contain my theory about her. They just we can we can finish the summary. They just they throw this party. He like starts to go to the airport, and then he comes back, and then um, the guy who was originally supposed to throw the party, his boss is like. Why the, why the hell on my Facebook live stream do I see another party? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, oh I Zuck, Zuck makes a reappearance. Yeah, Zuck's back, baby. He's like, yeah. why do I see this other party with our name? We're going to sue. And then they call their lawyers, and their lawyers are like, yeah, we'll sue them. But then they see on the Facebook live, everybody's going there. He's like, this is exposure. We got to get over and, that party. Yeah, and then he goes to the party and congratulates them on throwing a really good party. And then... They kiss. And then Nick comes up and they like make out at this yeah, children's party. Really, it's a children's they party. Really go it's, for it's a it. toy it is a kid's party. party. So there are like lots of yeah. kids. There are like it's it's nutcracker themed. So there are lots of, of ballerinas. There is a man in a horrifying rat king <laughs> handing out finger. <laughs> that foods. would scare the hell out of me. I was like, I feel I feel like that actor had a blast. Oh that one hundred percent. Um yeah, and then that's the movie. They kiss and everything's great. Yeah, best cares? Christmas party ever. The end. Daniel. Um, theory. One time. weird thing. Come on. Before along. theory time. Oh yeah. One more thing before the theory, please. Um, they they. So I was in the Nutcracker when I was <laughs> uh, uh, how old was I? Seventeen years old. Surprising. No. Um, one. Surprising no one. <laughs> yes. Um, and I was. I was a Russian. I was part of the Russian dance. Um, sure. I did a lot of coffee grinders and jumps. Fun. Um, I was in. Uh, I was in the opening. I was like a dad <laughs> because I was taller I was than the rest of the people who were playing the kids. I was a father at seventeen <laughs> years old. I was. A, he was a good boy. Um, <laughs> I did the ballet I to tall. put him through school. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good, good on you, son. Um, and I was, I was one of the rats. Very fun. And I wore the big head and everything. Daniel, from what I recall, 
Yeah. It is not the Mouse King. Like, like they say over and over in this movie, it is the Rat He's King. He's a rat. He's a rat. He's, a hundred... He's not a mouse. Hold on. Mouse King. There are mice. There are mice in the rat sequence, mm-hmm. but it is a rat sequence. Here we go. All right. So that was my gripe. I had a gripe because they kept saying Mouse King, and then they kept saying, I'm such a huge fan of the Nutcracker. We got to have the Mouse King. And it's like, you clearly have no clue what's going on, actor. Wait. Oh, wait. Hold on now. We might be wrong. Oh, is it no. the Mouse King? Yes, because it's adapted from the E.T.A. Hoffman story, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. I was lied. I to. totally thought it was the Rat King too, though. I blame Leaf Nunn. <laughs> Everyone, I blame the choreographer that I worked with. I will not take this lightly. I have been made a fool of on the airwaves. It is. I. I am willing to. I am the first to admit that it is the Mouse King, but I am the last to admit that it is my fault that I thought it was the Rat King. So this is a skippable movie. Um, If it comes on, maybe (laughs) keep watching it, but I don't think you have to go hunt this one down. If the title wasn't a clue, it's, it's just fine. It's just, it's just about a party. Daniel, you ready to hear my insane theory? I am ready. Petra yep. of Ooh. Petra's parties is a Christmas angel. Interesting. Drop me that sweet, sweet evidence. She is tasked to find Nick's true purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Nick is an actor. That's obviously unsustainable. (laughs) (laughs) That's a stupid decision. (laughs) What a dummy. Okay. Petra needs to put him, get him on the right track. Okay. Yes. She got into a car accident three days before, on her way to work, three days before um, uh, the events of this movie happened. Okay. Okay. She, she, and she is in a coma in, a, in the hospital. She comes into work, announces she's retiring because she doesn't know if she's going to live <laughs> out of the coma. <laughs> okay, but she has to, she needs to survive until Christmas in order to have a chance to wake up. Okay. Okay. She helps them fall in love and uh, Jenny helps, also helps Nick find his true purpose. But... It is her it is her doing that helps the true purpose happen. Everything that Petra says to Jenny is in relation to Nick. And also she reads her she reads Jenny the definition of party, which is something only a last ditch effort from a guardian angel can accomplish. And mean it. <laughs> she picks up a di- I'm not joking. She I- literally when all hope is lost, Jenny is literally crying in her office, and Petra goes, do, do you remember the definition of party? <laughs> and I was folding my laundry at the time, so my back was to the computer, and I said, did she just say the definition of party? Like, is she about to, like, 
bad valedictorian speech her way out of this one. And that's the moment I knew that she was a Christmas angel. Are you shocked at the amount of evidence I pulled out for this? That is uh, quite, quite a lot of effort. I think also her name may be a, uh, a little bit of a hint. Petra. Yes, Petra is a city. So it's a current city in uh, southern Jordan. Uh, oh, very notable city uh, because uh, there is the beginning. It is uh, there is a hike to reach a certain place that is very notable in Abrahamic religions. The high place of sacrifice is located at the top of a mountain. The beginning of the hike starts near uh, a famous theater in Petra. The high place of sacrifice is where uh, Abraham sacrificed his son in honor of God, but he was said to be saved by an angel. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. I think we did it, Daniel. Uh, there is also need... the belief that the uh, tomb of Aaron is here, uh, and Aaron is the brother of Moses. I have one, um, I have one <laughs> earthly theory to, uh, to tack okay. on to this wonderful, wonderful and decisive angel theory. I think that the businessmen in this movie, what is the company okay. that they say they, they are a part of? Uh, Tyrell's Toys. Not the toy company, the other company. Oh. I'm asking because I've forgotten. <laughs> um, great question. Did you text it to me? I think I might have texted it. I might have texted it. I did text it to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Piedmont. Piedmont. So Piedmont is the management company in this movie. They own Tyrell Toys now. Who on earth would, would buy a toy company only to let it rot and fall into disrepair? Only to be revived by a party. Only to be revived by a party that we know was organized by a guardian angel. Or potentially a Christmas angel. I believe that our... Big Bad Boogeyman, who we have been chasing this entire podcast, trying to track these sons of bitches down. I believe that their public face is Piedmont. Because there is one specific phrase that is constantly, constantly used by uh, Todd, the businessman. He constantly refers to Piedmont, not as a company. Not as a brand, but as a family. He says mm. the family won't like this. Mm. They're not the mob, Trey. They're the Illuminati. These are the source of power behind the Department of Homeland Security. These are the highest of the highs of decadence and despondency of capitalism. You got to add that. You got to add that to the website. Throw them Daniel. on the website. That is, a, that is a big group. Because they know. They know that the truest threat to capitalism is Santa Claus. And by extension, tiny, self-made businesses, toy shops. They know. <laughs> and so they use their vast wealths and fortunes and influence to buy them up. Okay. Because, like, because why like, would this business guy at the very end just come in and be like, this is a great party? Because he's under that angel influence. It's like the Black Rock of the HCU. Yes. Daniel, I, I feel like on the podcast, we toe the line between uh, 
super leftist <laughs> talking points. Incredibly leftist, yes. And instantly uh, juxtaposed with uh, right-wing conspiracy. The most like <laughs> Alex Jones shit you could think. Yeah. We, the, we would not sound out of place on like Breitbart or something. No, sometimes. not at all. In fact, uh, now's a great time to announce that our <laughs> podcast got bought by by Infowars. I'm I'm so happy. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'm so happy to say that uh, our new podcast daddy is, in fact, Alex Jones. And unfortunately, this is Trey's last episode. <laughs> he has been fired unanimously. <laughs> yeah, by the panel. By the panel. By the family. Yeah. Uh, by the yeah. Piedmont family. Uh, we got one movie left for this year. Let's go. Only one more left. Um, do you remember the title of it? The Christmas Parade. The Christmas Parade. Um, so, so excited to watch the parades and the floats and whatever star may be sitting on the float accompanying and a, it. And a man coming in to help a very confident, well-put-together woman. Yes. Realize her dream. Um, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, all, uh, hopefully there are a lot of stars on those floats. And more importantly, I hope there are at least five stars in your review that you leave for us on Apple Podcasts. That was uh, good. That's your best, your best one so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please leave a review. It'll help us out. You can also uh, tweet at us at HCU Secret. Um, uh, we try to tweet uh, every day over there, so go ahead and give us a follow. Um, you can also email us at mistletoesecret at gmail.com. You could also visit our website and contact us through there in the form at the bottom of the page at mistletoesecret.com. Is the podcast too left-leaning? Is it too right-leaning? Is it, is it too centric? Is it too centric? I think you could call this podcast many things. I don't, I think the amount of times we've talked about being radicalized by depictions of uh, homelessness <laughs> are, and people yeah, who are facing economic crisis in America. I don't think you could quite, uh, no, quite I don't call think you could quite pin that. us on centrist. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is an interesting way to think about the show though. What this is what would sound like if there was a like leftist style, Alex Jones, podcast uh-huh where it's like what is how would like really really far left leaning people sound like if they swung the sort of bullshit conspiracies around that alex jones and breitbart do <laughs> they would sound like this where they would be they would like, sound they would sound like this homelessness in america it's because of the wealthy corporate elite who are buying up local businesses just to <laughs> just to crush them in the ground under yeah, capitalism senselessly senselessly crush them why can't women be leaders in the business and also in their personal lives huh 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 i ask huh i ask, huh? I ask you huh? the people when is it going to be enough my name is trey flitney my name is daniel hot dog and i'm reminding you to stay jingling and stay hot dog thanks for listening 